it's time to turn up the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode I delve in the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrifying flicks. If you've made a horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when your last film didn't garner the attention you thought, so you bring comedy to your previously made indie horror film? Why you get Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. I know the intro song was just getting all nice and juicy and everything, like the big crescendo was coming, and then I cut it off. But <laughs> here we are. It's week three of Ashtober, and holy crap, I can't believe we're this deep into it. And we're almost at the finish line. I can totally taste it, just like the popcorn that I've been eating right before I started this podcast. <laughs> so please excuse my... uh my snacking. Um, but what can I say about Evil Dead 2? Evil Dead 2 kind of has a weird place for me. Um, it's a film that, out of all of them, I saw this one last. And I remember seeing Army of Darkness way before this. And there is a little bit of a recap in the beginning of Army of Darkness that's kind of like, I was like, huh? Okay, I thought it was just them like telling the story. I didn't know that this was like, officially actually the third in the franchise and honestly this one's kind of weird and i know i said a little bit in the intro and in case you didn't really know it like um the idea of the evil dead sequel was actually discussed during the original evil dead film and originally Raimi wanted to actually take ash and send him back to the middle ages which basically is what this movie does now when you look at the original evil dead and you look at this film there are two way different things going on. You actually get a little bit of a recap of the Evil Dead, and they kind of play it off as like they, they, there's a couple of things out there I read that said like parody sequel, so it's not quite like a true sequel to the first film. They basically rewrite a bunch of the first film and then kind of expand upon it and go further into it in this film. So it is a continuation of the story, but they retcon a ton of stuff in this movie by giving you basically the first, what, I'd say 10 minutes of the film is basically the Evil Dead. And then the rest of it kind of delves into Evil Dead Part 2. So he originally didn't want to do a sequel, and he kind of scoffed at the idea. And then he did a movie called uh, Crime Wave, I think it's called. Um, and that was actually was funny. It was produced by the Coen brothers, uh, and it didn't do as well in the box office. Like, it garnered some, like, 
critical response for it because it was like a crime thriller but mixed comedy with the whole crime thriller type of thing and it didn't quite gel with the audiences now basically they decided okay well what what if we took this concept that we're doing with crime wave but we applied it to the evil dead we've already done it you know there was a lot of things in the original evil dead that people were finding funny that wasn't really meant to be funny and then let's go ahead and let's just expand upon it and that's how you get the evil dead 2 and it really isn't as much of a sequel as it is a prequel for the army of darkness like kind of the way that i see it evil dead is its own film if you're going to look at the whole ash like universe and this whole evil dead universe or whatever you want to call it but you start off with the evil dead and it's just kind of its own story and then the evil dead 2 is actually a little more of a remake than I kind of want to admit to. Um, And it's truly just its own little film as well, but it acts more as like where Sam Raimi wanted to take Ash and his future endeavors, right? And that's how he got to do Evil Dead, or not Evil Dead, (laughs) Army of Darkness, because one, this movie did so well, and two, it really allowed him to build up to that story that he wanted to do. With everything that happens in this movie. And honestly this movie is probably a little more like. It's hard for me to go and be totally subjective. And try to view this from the beginning. Because I'm going to be honest. This is not my favorite of the Evil Dead movies. Um, I think that the first one's a great movie. Like I said Army of Darkness was truly the first one that I saw. And then you know I went back to Evil Dead. And then to this one. And It's difficult going from the Evil Dead to this. And the remake, it really, even after seeing this one as well, I realized there was actually a lot that it took from this one as well. So really the remake from 2013 is kind of an amalgamation of both the original film and this film. Because it does actually take a little bit more than what even I remembered from it, like after seeing it. It's kind of weird seeing it in this order that I did. Because now part of me is like, well, maybe I should have done the Evil Dead 2 and then did the remake because this would have... No, honestly, that was the best way to do it because now all of a sudden I'm seeing a couple more things and ideas that I've taken away from this one and the first one. There's a lot more, I think, from the first one, especially the serious nature of the first one. Whereas this one, it's definitely like a pure like i would just call this slapstick comedy especially when it gets towards like the middle of the film and i can understand why people might not like this one at all like they may totally hate this and they don't like the direction that it went because it went so far away from the horror are there horrifying things in it yeah but there's some really cheesy fucking things in this too and maybe that's why it affects me in that way maybe that's why it's probably my least favorite out of all of them But then again, you know, I have to look Army of Darkness. But I feel Army of Darkness, and we'll definitely get more into it as we went there. um, It set itself off to be that way, right? I don't think everybody was really expecting the Evil Dead 2 to really be in this comedic way after the way the Evil Dead was. And not saying that everything in the Evil Dead was, of course, you know, it wasn't funny or... It wasn't comedic in any way, or they didn't try to do little things here or there. But this one really set out to try to do some very big slapstick type things. 
And some of it works, and some of it just honestly doesn't for me. It may work for you, and that's great, but overall, I just feel some of it kind of really affects the film. And and it, I really want to love those parts, but ultimately, that kind of falls a little short. So, it's definitely, I feel like it can be a very decisive film amongst people. But to, for me to say that it's all fucking bad or I hate all of these movies, I don't. Because I still really like this film. And we should just go ahead and really just kind of dive into the movie as is. So the very first thing that we get actually that's really helpful for the film and for the franchise is right away we get a better explanation of what exactly this book they found in the original film was. Legend has it that it was written by the Dark Ones. Necronomicon Ex Mortis. Roughly translated, Book of the Dead. The book served as a passageway to the evil worlds beyond. It was written long ago, when the seas ran red with blood. This blood that was used to ink the book. In the year 1300 AD, the book disappeared. And then we get the title credits. They just begin to roll at that point. It's not much, really. It's just really the title card of Evil Dead 2. And it's really weird that in a lot of the promotional stuff, especially with the trailer I played last time, they call it Evil Dead 2 dead by dawn but nowhere inside the film is it even called dead by dawn like you you hear it a bunch (laughs) you know ash says it other people say it um but in general it doesn't have the subtitle at the beginning of the film so it's very odd to me that that's what you would see so you just see the title card and then we basically begin the film it's just kind of weird i think when we're getting a little more like information about the book we learned that it just randomly disappeared 1300 years ago that it was actually made when a time when demons roamed the land uh who made it we don't know why was it made well it's the book of the dead so of course you know probably something evil and some nefarious purposes and especially since it's called a necronomicon uh which you know necromancers raising the dead all that fun stuff So, again, it's another weird book where it's bound in human flesh, and it's completely written in using, I guess, the seas of blood as ink to be able to write the damn thing. Um, It's, again, if you see this book anywhere, you just should get the fuck away. Like, why even get close to it? Why play anything? But, of course, we all know how this film is going to go. So, the... The film itself, like, basically the first, like I said, about 10 to 15 minutes are actually kind of a recap of the original Evil Dead, although it's basically retconned to only include Ash and his girlfriend, Linda, as they go to a random place in the woods. So what's this place like? Well, it's a little run down, but uh, it's right up in the mountains. Are you sure it's deserted? Oh, yeah. I think so. So in this version of the film, Ash is not necessarily the scaredy cat he kind of was in the last one. But at the same time, he's a little more of a bumbling idiot, to be honest with you. Because here, he's not, like, totally sure. He's like, oh yeah, like, 
He's taking his girl out there specifically for one reason and one reason only. To get her out of the city, get her by herself, and basically get into those pants. At least that's what I'm thinking in this situation. Like, hey, we're going to go out. We're going to get away. It's just going to be the two of us. Hey, hey, hint, hint, wink, wink. And, you know, don't worry. I know about this place in the woods. But how does he know about this place in the woods? Like, at least the last movie... They basically rented the cabin, they went out there, and then shit started going down because the guy was like, oh yeah, I got this cabin. It was used by somebody that I knew from before, and you know, it's just basically ready for us to use it on this little vacation, so here we go. And so, this time since it's just Ash and Linda, things progress relatively quickly. They all are basically there. Linda's dancing around in her panties. And she's been given the necklace that he gave the original Linda in the first film. You know, maybe this is some weird parallel world where, you know, especially since Linda looks a lot different than the last Linda. um, You know, that he's just constantly passing off this magnifying lens. And this is the only world where actually the story of Ash actually continues. Because pretty much, even though he's the final boy at the end of the first film... That when he gets, you know, he gets freed, I guess you can say, the thing still attacks him and then it fades to black and we don't know what exactly has happened to Ash. Did he survive? It's now dawn. It's supposedly supposed to be alive and maybe he's actually dead. And so this telling of the film or story, as you would, um, he goes out to this cabin and things are a little different and the only thing that remains consistent especially through all these ones titled Evil Dead, is that necklace with the little magnifying glass on the end. So he gives it to her as gift. She, of course, really likes it. And then she tells him to go get something, and he's going to go get some, like, champagne so that it can celebrate a little more. Maybe he wants to do a little something extra. And then that's, of course, where they find the book and the tape. And this time, the idiot that decides to play the goddamn tape, well... He does it on Linda's recommendation. I feel funny about being here. What if the people who own this place come home? They're not going to come back. Even if they do, we'll tell them that the car broke down or something like that. (laughs) With your car, they'd believe it. Hey, what do you say we have some champagne, huh, baby? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) After all, I'm a man and you're a woman. Uh, At least last time I checked. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Bom, bom. Ah. Hey, there's a there's a tape recorder here. See what's on it. This is Professor Raymond Noby, Department of Ancient History. Log entry number two. I believe I have made a significant find in the castle of Kandar. Having journeyed there with my wife, Henrietta, my daughter, Annie, and associate professor, Ed Gentley. It was in the rear chamber of the castle that we stumbled upon something remarkable. Naturum de Monto, the book of the dead. My wife and I brought the book to this cabin where I could study it undisturbed. It was here that I began the translations. The book speaks of a spiritual presence, a thing of evil that roams the forests and the dark bowers of man's domain. 
It is through the recitation of the book's passages that this dark spirit is given license to possess the living. Recorded here are the phonetic pronunciations of those passages. Kanda, Estrata, Amantos, Looks like Raimi Cam is back as the demon is flying through the forest and basically coming into the cabin and kidnapping Linda. Again, you see this weird book on the counter. I'm like, oh man, there's a tape player here. And there's this weird book that I started flipping through that has like weird drawings and it smells like blood and it feels like flesh. And oh, well, you know what? Just going to keep listening to it as he talks about he founds the book of the dead. And there's a really weird type of... I don't know if it's like a misnomer or something, or if it's that the right word that I'm looking for, but he doesn't call it the Necronomicon Ex Mortis. He calls it something completely different in the tapes. Yet at the beginning of the film, it's the same fucking guy, and he says fucking Necronomicon, so that's what I'm going to say, because, well, maybe I should start calling it the other thing, or just fucking the Book of the Dead, because you don't know how many fucking times I had to go through and say Necronomicon, 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 the entire time that I fucking recorded that, but... I digress. So, here, you know, he's looked through it. Linda has screamed in the background, and he's now rushed off, and there's no fucking Linda. And then he drops the goddamn champagne. How much did you pay for that? Now, if I'm Ash Williams, uh, it's probably like a two-buck chuck, something like that. Relatively cheap. You just want to make sure it's good enough so that you can seem like you're special, because, hey, he bought me champagne, and at the same time that, hey, it's strong enough to get her down and ready to go. Um, though, you know, you don't always want to think like that. Just in certain occasions where there's, like, creepy cabins and demons that are possibly going to come and possess people, so... Uh, he rushes outside, and then all of a sudden, he's attacked by the demonic Linda. Like, right away. We're already at this point in the movie, and that was like 45 minutes in the original movie. Uh, and so, he you know, goes to defend himself, because she jumps at him. He slings the shovel and decapitates her again, and then buries her into the dirt below. Then the morning sun starts to rise, and dawn is coming to the little cabin in the woods over here. Now... This is where I'm going to say, I'm watching the extended cut. Now, what makes the extended cut different than the original cut is that there are some of the... It's really weird. I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I like the way it was done like this at all. Like, I feel like I should just watch the original, but I decided... I've seen that so many times. Let's see what the extended cut like did different. And it does some things interesting different, but it's almost like they took the test footage and then just put it in. So you have this really nice, clean footage, right? And everything's been up 4K, Blu-ray, you know, whatever you want to call it. And then all of a sudden, it's like a home video fucking gets put into there. And then you get to see the extra deleted scenes that just got added to the movie. 
Sometimes they add to it, and sometimes you're like, I totally know why they removed this from the film. Like, it makes no fucking sense. And there's a bunch of those little things here and there, and kind of all over the place, too. There's a couple, you know, that are going to be coming up. So, if I talk about something that you don't recognize, it's probably a part of the extended cut. And I'll try to say, in the extended cut, that way you can kind of understand what's maybe going on in those situations. But, so... What happens here is what happens at the end of the original Evil Dead, where we see the entity or whatever, the Dark One, whatever you want to call it, and it's flying through the forest, it flies through the back of the cabin, and it comes out the front, and then attaches itself to Ash. Now, in the original one, it just fades black at this point, but this is where the new movie actually starts. So, you basically see him, and he flies through the forest, and it's actually relatively like funny the way that it's done because he's kind of screaming being thrown through he's being turned around in a circle like a fucking windmill and then gets thrown into a tree and his face falls directly into like a muddy water that's on the ground there in the forest and this is where you get your first instance of the extended cut which is basically just him inside of the like his head inside the pond for like a minute it seems like it's way too long and it's just bubble 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 but what you do get to see right away is the transformation to evil ash here like demonic ash when he raises his head up for a second and looks out but you actually see him come slowly out of the pond and i feel like that portion actually does give you a little bit more insight to the way that Raimi wanted the scenes and stuff kind of put together but i feel it's like a little bit too long like if you had just seen a little bit a couple of bubbles then he raises his head out that's fine and it's almost like the original was possibly okay but i could see how it adds a little more uh feeling to the scene like there isn't anything really super special about it but just that change as he gets up and then he looks at the sun and then he turns back into regular ash and then it seems like everything's okay but that's where he realizes that hey you know what it's really really time to get the fuck out of dodge it's gone Sun's driven away. Yeah. For now. Got a... Got a blood here for rifles. So he decides to nope the fuck out of there right away by jumping into his car and running away. Because when he looks back at the house and you hear that, join us. They're like these demonic eyes and like teeth that kind of like form on the outside of the house. And he starts freaking the fuck out. And I would freak the fuck out there too. 
I mean, come on, you basically got possessed for a second, then you got control over yourself, you looked around, and all of a sudden at the house, all it's becoming like fucking Monster House or some bullshit like that. It's gonna eat your fucking kids because you were an old man and didn't want to give them fucking candy, and you're a dickhead for doing that. Why don't you just be like everybody else and give them toothpaste and apples and other bullshit people don't like at Christmas time? Or Halloween, or when the fuck that time of the year is. You know what? Ever since Jack Skellington fucking took over that holiday, I don't know which is which anymore. Please, Nightmare Before Christmas, but it's a Halloween movie? How does that make fucking sense? It doesn't make any fucking sense as much as a monster house that decides that it's going to eat a bunch of little kids because some old dude is a fucking jerk-off. But nonetheless, so he sees the giant fucking house... And it, it starts getting its teeth and, and everything like that. And he's just like, I, I need to get the fuck out of here. He looks over, sees his car, and then boom, he's on his way out. Then he gets to the bridge that he originally crossed to get to this place to find out that it's com- been completely destroyed. But it's really weird and kind of funny in the scene coming up. But first, I have to say that the sets look a lot better in this film. But you can tell there's just like, there's this indie charm in the first one that I really loved because everything was filmed as it seemed like on location where this one used a lot more sets and you can totally tell here with the bridge being like, you know, thrown out and maybe it's because it's a, you know, a Blu-ray restoration and it's meant to look a lot better. But when something looks really fucking cheap, it's really really fucking cheap and that's the way that the bridge looks here because it's obvious that it's just a painting and they didn't do any type of effect to like blend it in with the background he just drives up and there's a couple little things here we see him like crossing the bridge in the beginning you could tell it's kind of a model with just the car going over it the first shot of the house is really kind of a model not necessarily the house there's little things like that but because the bridge is now destroyed and he can't go back He gets out of the car and starts to panic a little bit. Then all of a sudden, it starts to turn into darkness. And what a night to have a curse. Well, or I guess an evil entity that's going to start fucking chasing you and making you go back over to the house. It's crazy because dawn seems to have just fucking happened. And now here comes darkness, like almost right the fuck away. And then... What is even funnier that goes on here is because he starts to back up and then go towards the house because he thinks, well, maybe I'll be be protected inside the house rather than be out and about outside. But when the evil like camera starts to chase him, the bridge has actually been left intact. Like the camera, you could tell it flies over the regular bridge. It hasn't been destroyed and it begins chasing Ash. It's really, really quick, but it's really, really funny to see that, oh, hey, it's destroyed. No, not for the ghost, but, you know, for Ash, he can't get through. So he does manage to back up the car enough to stop at one point to turn it around so that way he doesn't have to drive the car backwards all the way back to the house, which I would have still been, fuck this, I'm just going to try to get back there as fast as I possibly can, not try to do some stupid like Austin Powers style three-point turn where I'm going to get stuck here for a bit, but this demon guy is fucking just, either he loves fucking playing with Ash, which honestly, I probably would too. Um, because Ash seems like a guy that you can just throw around, he'll take whatever is happening to him. Um, or he's the most inept fucking, like, evil entity that I've ever heard, because he has plenty of time to catch up back to Ash as he's doing this weird, stupid three-point turn. He's just like, oh, you know what? Go ahead. I just want to see where this is going. 
Like, if you get stuck in the middle of the road, it's easy for me. If you get away, we get to play a little while longer. Okay, maybe I'm on the demon side here. Thinking about it, like, yeah, if I don't think that I can be stopped, and I just need to kill this guy, why not prolong it? If he's the only guy, too. Like, have a little fun with him. And honestly, I believe that more as the film goes along. So he does get back to the house, and he manages to close himself inside and get away from the entity. And we get to take a little bit of a break away from Ash as we meet the doctor or the archaeologist or whomever the guy that first discovered the book. We meet his daughter. She's been looking for other pages of the book, and she's just arrived back in the States and is now heading to go meet her dad because she found the last couple pages needed to complete the Book of the Dead. Annie! Hi! How'd the expedition go? Great. I found the pages of the Book of the Dead. Yeah, I got your telegram. Thanks. So, what condition are they in? Take a look. They haven't aged a day in 3,000 years. Maybe longer. When do we begin the translations? Tonight. Is everything all set with my father? Well, it should be, but I haven't spoken with him in a week. There's no phone in the cabin. Take my car. Take us about an hour to get there. Annie, you hinted in your telegram that your father was onto something with the first part of his translations. What has he found in the Book of the Dead? Probably nothing. But just possibly the doorway to another world. Okay, really? You're that fucking excited about a doorway to another world? With something called the Book of the Dead? Like, come on. Once again. Really? Do you think fucking with something like this is really the best fucking idea that there is? Like, come on. Again, it's wrapped in human flesh. Okay, I get you there. Maybe you just think it's really bad leather, or it's like, you know, a tan mom or something like that. You know one of those ones from Southern California that do nothing but go to tanning booths and look like they're like three shades of darkened leather? You know, the type that you just want to throw water on to hopefully get a nice little shine out of them. The fact that their lips are still white, but the rest of their body is still fucking brown as shit. Like, you know, hey, I'm naturally that way, but I look a lot more natural than somebody that's basically burnt themselves to a crisp type of skin. Maybe that you could forge it into a nice handbag and take it with you. You know, as long as she's not, like, in her late 60s still doing the same thing, you can definitely form that leather in the way that you want it type of person. You know the one that I'm talking about, right? You know, the skin bags that have my cloth. I mean, um, you know, those ones that uh, were used to make Leatherface's mask. You know, that type of leather. That's what I'm talking about. So, okay. All right. So, it's bound in some type of flesh. Maybe you don't know it's human flesh. Maybe you don't know it's skin. Maybe you think, huh. You know what? It's really old. They just, they used a goat. Okay, goat. Give you that. But pages written in blood? Written in blood? Uh, maybe it was just red. They didn't have fucking red ink 1300 years ago. Okay, basically black ink. You basically got ink, ink came in one fucking color. This isn't like they had their feathers with a fucking little clicker on the side of it that you could go, oh, I want to write my parchment today in like sunshine yellow. And then tomorrow I'm going to do blue sky. And then all of a sudden the next one, I'm going to do blood red because I'm writing about the book of the dead. Come on. You realize that there's got to be like a smell to it too. You got to go and you, hmm, smells like iron and copper mixed together. That's fucking blood. It's blood. Just leave it the fuck alone. And then it tells you, and there's these demonic fucking images inside of it, and you're like, I'm going to decipher this, and I'm going to read this bullshit. 
Why? Why the fuck are you going to read this? Why are you going to try? You found a portal to another world? Do you not see five fucking demons at least within the first four or five pages of this motherfucker that you're going to go and you're going to just, oh, humdy humdy hum, I'm going to go and I'm going to read this book. Everything's going to be fine. I'm going to translate some pages and then I'm going to not summon demons. Even though there's a demon right there and over here and over there. And look at the extra pages. There's a giant fucking demon's head inside some motherfucking house. Come on. Like, you're going to let your dad, like, look, dad, just write everything down. Don't say it out loud. Maybe there should be like a disclaimer on this fucking Book of the Dead. That basically says, hey, if you found this and we were the good guys that put this away, don't read shit from this motherfucking book. That's what, that's it. Just don't do anything. Leave it the fuck alone. I'm telling you, if I see anything like this, I ain't touching shit. I ain't doing shit. I ain't leaving anything to fucking chance. I am just leaving it the fuck alone. So they go on and travel back to the house. And meanwhile, we've learned that Ash is the master of fucking hiding because he was able to dodge the fucking demon from chasing him inside the house. Like the demon literally before this scene and he gets away, like it comes up to the house and it like searches through the whole house and you can't find Ash fucking anywhere but he managed to hide himself in, like, the basement area just for a second. And you would think that since there's some shit down there, and we all know that there's some shit, like, going on down there, that something would have come after him. But again, I think it's just kind of the spirit playing with Ash and leading him into a false sense of security. Because now he gets up, and you see that he's boarded everything. And he starts having, like, a vision, basically. hears some noises coming from outside, And then we get an awesome, like, claymation dance or stop-motion dance. I always call it claymation back in the day, but it's pretty much just stop-motion, right? But it's a dance of Linda coming back from the dead. Her head comes out of the freaking ground. You can kind of see somebody, like, hiding behind a log for a second back there as they roll the head down uh, so that it becomes a part of the body once again. And she dances outside, and then she comes and she starts attacking him through the window in a relatively funny scene. Because you see the arms come through and it grabs him and is trying to slam him into the like the head of it. And this is part of that, like, his head into the, the boarded up windows. But this is part of, like, the slapstick stuff that really goes on in this film. Because after that, he wakes up and then we see the head of Linda fall from the ceiling. And this is where we get a little bit of the extended cut where it falls into his lap. And then she says, kiss me or something like that. And then a giant tongue comes out of her mouth and goes into his mouth and Frenches with him. Basically, the you know the head's still in his lap and the tongue goes all the way up. The tongue effect looks really terrible. It looks like something that maybe it didn't quite work, though I do find that scene relatively funny. What we really just get in the most in the film is that the head drops down in his lap and then bites his hand, and then he goes crazy trying to find places basically to get rid of Linda's head. He's bashing it against everything, he's punching it. <laughs> It's fucking ridiculous, but it's so goddamn fucking funny just to see him like, like he can't get it off and he's just like knocking into every fucking thing, basically punching holes in the walls with the head. And eventually he does get the idea that he needs to go outside to the storehouse and there might be a way that he's able to remove the head from his hand, which happens to be the vice and maybe another little weapon that's going to become... Pretty famous from these movies in just a bit. 
There's nothing that I don't understand about these films. First, I want to say that the headless corpse of Linda comes inside of the thing with the chainsaw and tries to attack Ash. And it's it's really fucking ridiculous. This is one of those things where it's funny because it looks so terrible. Um, and not because, like, oh my god, this is the best practical effect I've ever seen. No, it's pretty terrible, and I think it was done on purpose. And you can even see, like, the chainsaw kind of, like, waving back and forth in a bunch of scenes. You can tell when everything is, like, a rubber prop, and... (laughs) What the fuck's a rubber plop? But nonetheless, a rubber prop, and uh, when something is actually more, like, substantial. Like, when he holds it and he's gonna cut something, it looks like a real fucking chainsaw. But when he's got it on his back, it fucking moves around like crazy. So he takes the chainsaw to Linda's head and carves it clean in half, getting blood all over him. It's really ridiculous. Like, Ash gets abused so much in this film and Army of Darkness. He does in The Evil Dead as well, but I would say it's not as much as he does in the later films. So he's got blood. First he has the blood of the corpse all over him. Now he's got the blood of Linda all over him. And the thing that I really wanted to like ask, and I almost totally forgot when I said, oh, there's a couple things I want to talk about. Why is it whenever these deadites possess somebody, the other person is automatically in hell? We constantly hear this throughout the series whenever they do that. Your sweet so-and-so is in hell. This person's in hell. You'll join her or him in hell. Like, the fact that you're possessing somebody automatically sends them, like, do they take their place? That's the only thing that I can think about is the fact that, oh, okay, well, instead of him, like, you know, just disappearing and going and everybody the the soul actually dies it's like no you have to take the place of this devil of this demon so if an angel possesses your body that means you get to go to heaven and taste heaven for a little while like because if that was the case you know I, i might be willing to let an angel use my body for a bit just to see what the big deal is and see if things exist or if it's just that if anything fucking possesses you you're automatically in hell so then what do I need to do? Do I need to wear like a shit ton of crosses? Uh, do I need to wear garlic? No, that would probably be vampires. Silver bullets? Do those? No, that's werewolves. Werewolves are probably already in hell, so eh, can't really do anything there. Like, what is it exactly that I've got to protect myself? How do I do it? Like, is there like a book or something that I can read? Like, 
you know, one that happens to deal with, like, the dead, for example, like that. Maybe it's been around for a really long fucking time, bound in fucking flesh. You know, that would tell me some... Oh, yeah, I probably could pick up the Book of the Dead. Gotta find that thing. I lent that out to Paranormal Pat a while ago, and he hasn't really returned it. And he talked about, you know, going out to this cabin in the wood. Oh. Um, anyway, so... You know, he's killed his girlfriend, he goes back into the house, and he really starts to freak out. And it's kind of a messed up scene because, you know, he kind of, one, he begins arguing with himself, and two, he finds out that, well, there's something else inside of him. don't think so. We just cut up our girlfriend with a chainsaw. Does that sound fine? Just like in the first film where Linda got basically possessed from the wound that she got from the pencil on her fucking ankle. Jesus Christ. I have to bring that shit up again. But nonetheless, uh, he's now getting infected from the bite that Linda had gave him. Well, corpse Linda. And so now it's spread over to his hand. He yells into the sky and then we cut over quickly over to the new people here that are just arriving the daughter and her friend, you know, that special friend from college that nobody wants to admit is actually probably her lover. But, you know, you got to keep that quiet from the parents because nobody knows that they should be dating because really he's using her like a beard and he's probably into something else. But nonetheless, they arrive and they figure out that the bridge is now down. Excuse me. Is this the road to the Nobi cabin? That's right. You ain't going there. And why not? There must be another way in. It's got to be a road or something. Sure ain't no road. hell you want to go up there for anyway? Huh? 
None of your business. Hey. I just remembered. What? But yeah, that's right. There, there is a trail. <laughs> you, you could uh, follow Bobby Joe and me. Sounds all right to me. But it'll cost you. How much? Forty-five. Hundred bucks. Tell you what, you take my bags and you got a deal. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay so we know what's gonna happen right away because we already saw the joke coming when he was loading up her car earlier at the airport and she had the giant fucking like you know match luggage there in the back and of course what's inside that luggage is nothing but a giant fucking uh hair dryer after all so and she needs it she needs it to make sure when she gets across the desert that her hair looks perfect. I mean, so that when she gets over to the cabin, her hair is going to look perfectly fine. But you know how those things go with these people. So, of course, you know, we go from here back over to the cabin and we see that Ash, he's kind of slowly going crazy because he doesn't know exactly what to do with the hand. And the hand only has one thing in like in its mind, which is really weird to say. And it's very odd that the hand has like a little voice too. It's constantly going. Like it's making those little like noises constantly every time it tries to do something. But it's just very odd too that Ash thinks the way to get rid of everything from his hand is just to dunk it in the sink water. And he does for a second, it's in there, it's kind of relaxing, and he tr lets his guard down for a bit, and that's where you probably get the most slapsticky of all the slapstick parts of this movie, where he's basically doing his best, like, silent error movie, like, type of impression, and beating himself, like, in the face with different plates and pans and pots and pieces of the damn kitchen everything like that it's probably also one of the inspirational scenes for liar liar as well if you guys remember that thing you know when the guy walks in you know to him on the bathroom and they ask what the hell are you doing i'm kicking my ass do you mind and so that's what i imagine if the people actually walked in while he was doing this portion but it's like a cat and mouse game that kind of goes on here because he's beating him with all the different plates and basically trying to knock ash out i'm automatically thinking it's a him only because it's attached to ash i don't know should i be using it they them it's a fucking hand what do you want so he he's beating them basically with all the different things and eventually he sees a meat cleaver and he's like aha i've got the great idea so i really like this piece of acting from bruce campbell if there's one really big highlight it's that bruce campbell is the fucking shit in these movies especially in this one i think he gets uh He's a lot better than in the other films. I think he's fine in the first one because it's kind of like his first foray. But what he really has to do in this one, and he hasn't quite gotten into like the, I wouldn't say the Ash character. That's really kind of odd to say. But like the Ash, I would say almost like stereotype. Like what you expect Ash to be like and the way that he's going to act later on really is formed in Army of Darkness. But in this movie, it's like the beginning of everything, right? So what he has to do to get to these points. So when he's knocked down on the floor here, like the fact that he's got to basically like act with his hand while he's completely knocked out, give the hand its own fucking identity 
it's quite amazing. You may look at it and be like, hey, this is really nothing. But to me, I'm looking at him like, damn, there's a lot. Like, I already have some type of, like, emotional attachment to it. It's its own fucking, like, slapstick character at this point in the movie. You know, it's it's basically this comedic, like, silent genius that it's got going on here. Especially because it's got to, like, crawl up a little bit, trying to go for the knife, and then pull the whole body. And then crawl a little bit, and then pull the whole body. And you're just like, you're, you've got a little bit of tension here. Even though this is funny, you're like, is he going to actually get the butcher's knife? What exactly is going to happen? How is this going to go? And then it, right before he does get the the meat cleaver there... Ash gets up and then forces him down, grabs the chainsaw, and cuts off his own arm, and the hand goes scurrying away. Yeah, is it the best special effect? No, it's not really. I mean, because, I mean, you see it in the corner, you see the blood splash all over Ash, and then he's got no blood on his face afterwards. And then you also see the hand just kind of run away and go into the wall. Also, the matter of fact that... He has, you know, duct tape fucking solves everything. I've learned that in all of these fucking Evil Dead movies. If you have duct tape, then it's going to basically heal you up. And when he makes like a tourniquet for his arm, and he does, they do a shitty farewell to arms joke. I don't like that that much. It's basically put all the, the hand underneath the bucket and then put all the books in the top book just happens to be a farewell to arms. Whatever. That's just, I think that's cheap fucking writing right there. Uh, and so he bandages up his hand by putting a towel over it and then wrapping that towel with duct tape. And you can still see, see like his fingers. The fact that his forearm is so fucking huge is basically the sinus of his fucking hand right over there. It's pretty fucking ridiculous that, you know, but what do I expect out of a film like this? I don't expect to be a, a complete CGI masterpiece. They were still trying to do a low budget like horror, but do more of a low budget horror comedy film after all. We cut back for a second over to the, you know, new four people traveling to the cabin. And of course, they make the joke that, oh, she had the big piece of luggage and he didn't know about that. Meanwhile, back over in the cabin, the hand has now broken free and it's running amok into the walls. And we see Ash with his shotgun basically taking aim and trying to take out the the hand in a game of cat and mouse here. Basically... The hand is Jerry, and he's fucking Tom, because everything that could happen to him fucking happens to him in the scene. So, he tries to kill the thing. He's not able to. He does follow it through noises along the wall. He does shoot it, and then a little bit of blood spews out, and then a ton of blood spews out and spews all over the place. We do get an extended scene here where it's just more of Bruce, you know, dancing around in the different types of blood. It, like, changes colors. It goes from... Uh, you know, red to green to yellow back to red in the original cut. There's even a little bit of the yellow you can see for a second. Like maybe they were trying to do like it's different fluids that he's getting hit with. So at one point it's blood. At one point it's piss when it turns to yellow. Then green it's vomit and then it goes back to blood. And then eventually it goes to black where it gets sucked up back inside of the wall. And then we get probably one of the scenes this is one of those scenes where you either like it or you hate it like when i first saw it i didn't really like it very much and over the years i've come to understand it a little more and basically what happens here is we get a little bit of insight into what ash's current psyche is like as well as into that of the spirit at least that's what i believe like a lot of it i hear like, because what happens is after he does this and he gets sprayed with it and he's kind of looking around, he falls down 
And then all of a sudden, everything just kind of turns on him and everybody starts laughing, including Ash. Ash himself, it's like he's going fucking crazy, right? And for basically the ghost, it's like, all right, I'm doing exactly what I do. Or that the fact that, oh, he fell down, went boom. And like, that's why everybody is just laughing mad in this scene. Oh, double barrel here. Blow your butts, the kingdom come. See if we don't. Everybody is just laughing until basically the laughter stops. And when the laughter stops, he hears some creaking at the front door. And who does it happen to be? But Bobby Joe trying to come into the house. But he doesn't realize that's who it is. So he takes a shot and accidentally hits her. And we don't know where she gets shot exactly. Is it the arm? Is it the neck? I'm not quite sure. But this is kind of like a weird... I don't want to say it's a coincidence... But this is similar to what happens with Ash in the remake, right? When she comes down the hallway and she's been possessed and she raises the shotgun, she shoots and she accidentally hits, you know, her brother, but in basically kind of the same area and he's clutching the same stuff. I know this one might be a stretch, but I really was like, huh, I wonder if they try to recreate some of those types of scenes in this type of way, because it is kind of what happens with Bobby Joe as well. So once that shot's been done, of course, in runs the other guys uh, to knock down Ash. And he's just trying to explain he made a mistake because basically the house is driving him mad. But guess where he gets thrown and that's into the basement. You gonna be all right, honey? I I don't know. I I think so. Sit still for a minute. You know this son of a bitch! No, we thought her father was going to be here. That's why we decided... Oh, my God. Where are my parents? What the hell did you do to them? What the hell did you do to them? Annie, come here. Annie, come here. Come here. We'll throw him in there. Crazy bucks gone blood sick. 
So they lock Ash downstairs and now basically they decide to take a look at the house. Of course, you know, Annie, she's totally like upset because she thinks that he came in the house. She sees the gun. She sees the blood that's on the floor and thinks that, hey, he actually killed her parents. But we find out that something a lot more sinister actually is going on. And we see that Ash is actually trapped downstairs with something else. The other thing that we learn before we get to that clip is that downstairs, basically, there's a bunch of gourds hanging everywhere. And then there's a separate door that leads into a whole different room. And that is just the way that the house is designed in the Redead, uh, Evil Dead remake. The Redead? What the fuck is wrong with me? But the Evil Dead remake is designed exactly like the house in Evil Dead 2 is designed. Not necessarily like it's designed in the first one. Like, they even may have used the same set don't know if that's still around, but it'd be funny if it was. And instead of all the gourds, it's all the dead cats that are hanging downstairs. So it's, again, it's another aesthetic that they took from this film to combine with a lot of the stuff from the first films to give you that nostalgic feeling when you were seeing the third one. But nonetheless, we learn that something else is downstairs with Ash. All the other rooms. Folks aren't here. Maybe they never came. But these are my father's things. It's only been a few hours since I've translated and spoken aloud the first of the demon resurrection passages from the Book of the Dead. Shh. Listen up. This is my father's voice. And now I fear that my wife has become host to a Kandarian demon. May God forgive me for what I have unleashed unto this earth. Last night, Henrietta tried to kill me no it's now October 1st 4.33pm Henrietta is dead I could not bring myself to dismember her corpse but I dragged her down the steps and I buried her I buried her in the cellar God help me I buried her in the earthen floor of the fruit cellar. What the hell was that? Somebody's down there with him. No, can't be. Let's get the fuck out of here. That one's in my fruit cellar. Someone with a fresh soul. There's something down there. Swallow your soul. 
So good old mom, she transforms into a deadite and starts to attack Ash. Because she was the one that was left in the bottom of basically this basement here. And they finally agreed that, hey, maybe Ash was kind of telling the truth and he just made a mistake. And they should get him out of there. And they actually managed to do so. So they grab Ash by the head, which must really fucking hurt when you think about it. And pull him out just in time. But she manages to, you know, trip up the the friend that's there along with the redneck. And they basically spend a long time trying to beat it. And it's really hilarious because there's a couple of things that happen in the scene that are both like hilarious and kind of not. Uh, the, the not so one one is the eye that pops out of the demon's head. Like they're trying to close the thing on her and they're slapping it down. And eventually like they hit it so hard that the eye pops out and it goes right into Billy Joe's mouth. Okay, it's kind of funny. It it just doesn't hit me the right way, but it's a little too slapsticky. But then there's the scene where they're like, quick, help, do something about it, and the friend goes and just fucking punches the shit out of her. Like, that's gonna fucking work. You just gonna fucking punch her. And he gets thrown off into the distance and doesn't even do anything. He's just, just like, why the fuck are you punching me? They're like biting Ash's feet and Ash is able to get away. And eventually they're able to lock mom downstairs and keep this demon thing that gets a really cool stop motion transformation into the demon. It's not necessarily the best, but I really do like the effect that happens there. So they've got it trapped down there and... They're, like, panicking what the fuck is going on. Like, how are we able to stop anything like this? And that's where they learn a little more about the situation. But they happen to lose a friend in the process. There's something out there. That... That witch in the cellar is only part of it. It lives... Out in those woods... In the dark, something, something that's come back from the dead. We're going, baby. We're going to get on there. Nobody goes out that door. Not till daylight. You listen to me. Hush, little baby, don't say a word. I was gonna buy you a mockingbird. That mockingbird. September 2nd, 1962. I remember it well because it was snowing. So strange it would be snowing in September. That thing in the cellar is not my mother. Things that were and shall be again. <laughs> Stands of the book. We want what is yours. Life. <laughs> Dead by dawn. 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 Dead by dawn
Okay, so he's the coward after you guys locked him downstairs without even fucking saying anything to him or asking him when he's saying, hey, it was a mistake, it was a mistake, and then you took fucking forever to even get up there. The redneck guy didn't even want to fucking let him, like, out of the place. Well, maybe he's lying. Well, you guys just heard that the dad buried the mom down there because she tried to kill him because she has came something new. Come on, you stupid motherfuckers. Like, what the hell's going on here? And of course, Ash isn't fucking running away. He's going to get an axe so he can go ahead and beat your friend to death and slash off side of his face. Like, it's all to help you guys because you guys are just standing there screaming and not doing shit. And then when he goes to go help you, you call him a fucking coward just because he's leaving the situation to go get a goddamn weapon which nobody fucking thought about at the same time. It's so ridiculous that she would even go that far to do something like that. So we see that now the friend is dead. The mom is downstairs locked inside of the basement. And they're trying to understand a little more of what's going on here. You know, Ash knows that there's something in the woods. There's something that's out there. They did learn a little more from the father. And they decide to look around the house to see if there's anything else they could find. They notice that there's a weird sound coming from one of the rooms. They say, man, it's quiet. Then all of a sudden, the house starts going fucking crazy. Like, it's a Pee Wee Herman show. And fucking, they said the magic word, you know, which was quiet. And going all fucking crazy all over this goddamn place. So, they decide to go check out the back room. And that's where they actually meet the spirit of her father. Who explains what they need to do to get rid of this dark spirit inside of this house. Holy Mother, oh mercy. Father? And he. <gasps> there is a dark spirit here that wants to destroy you. Your salvation lies there. the pages of the book recite the passages dispel the evil save my soul So that causes Bobby Joe to run out of the room because she's actually holding that bastard fucking hand's hand and she runs out into the forest. Jake wants to go after her, but Ash says no. Oh, fucking A. 
They're gonna go back into the goddamn forest. We're not gonna have to see this shit again. And yes, she does run upon the tree, but this time the tree has like a personified like face and evil. It's like those man-eating trees in Mortal Kombat that you see out there. Except for this time, it is wrapping her, but then just dragging her through the forest. And that's the last you ever see of Bobby fucking Joe. This is one of my biggest gripes. Like, what happened to her? Did she just get dragged and get, like, eaten or something like that? Did she get thrown around? Did she get thrown off a, a cliff? Did they live, like, happily ever after? Have tree kids? Something like that? Because she got Stockholm Syndrome and she just wants to be with this tree forever? Like, you never know exactly what happens to Bobby Joe. Or maybe she just gets hung out there and when they get rid of the tree, she's freed and she's the only one that truly survives at the end of the film. Who the fuck knows, but this is the last time you're ever going to fucking see Bobby Joe. Back at the cabin, Jake, he really wants to go out there and look for her. But both Ash and Annie, they're kind of like, no, we need to figure out a way to actually get rid of this demon. And that's kind of when he turns on them. What's wrong? felt like someone just walked over my grave. It's that picture. What is that? 1300 A.D., they called this man the uh, hero from the sky. He was prophesied to have destroyed the evil. Didn't do a very good job. Can you find it? Here it is. Two passages. Recitation of this first passage will make this dark spirit manifest itself in the flesh. Why the hell would we want to do that? Recitation of the second passage creates a kind of rift in time and space. And the physical manifestation of this dark spirit can be forced back into the rift. At least that's the best translation that I can... That's right. I'm running this show now. We're going to go out there in them woods and look for Baba Joe. Once we find her, we're getting the hell out of here. No, you idiot! Kill us all. She's dead by now. Don't you understand? With these pages, at least we have a chance. Okay, I really hate how Jake turns here. I get it. He's totally into Baba Joe, and he doesn't want to let her go, and she got dragged outside of the house. Well, she ran away, and then they didn't go after her at that point. Then she got dragged outside of the house. But at the same time, it's like, these pages don't mean shit. And it's like, you've seen everything that's fucking happened here. You see the giant fucking demon that's downstairs, still fucking downstairs. And you hear them, and you've heard the tapes about how the pages of the book can save the fucking day. And yet, and you even saw this fucking spirit. You saw the fucking spirit of her father who said, those pages are gonna save everybody. And you're still like, nope, I don't believe in any of this shit. 
I just because I saw it with my own two eyes doesn't mean that it's fucking real, man. You know, they're all going to come and get you anyway. It's just the government telling you that these papers are really going to do something when they ain't going to do nothing because Baba Joe is out there with the real enemy, the trees, man. Don't you ever hear about those things? They're going to come around and they're going to make tree babies out of you. And I know because that's what happened. I'm a tree baby. Then he reveals his head and everything. No, no, nothing like that happened. But it's just that kind of shit that's going on in this fucking movie with this character. And it's one of the things I really fucking dislike because there's no reason for him to be like this. Yeah, he can be distraught. He can basically, you know, he could actually say, you know what? No, we need to rescue her first and fuck your shit, you know, and take the papers with him and be like, I'll give these to you when, you know, Baba Joe comes back. I would... Go be okay with that. But the fact of the matter, he says, this is a bunch of horse shit, and then throws it away, is fucking stupid. It's just plain fucking stupid. Like, why would he do anything like that? So, he forces them to go outside against Ash's wishes, and then what happens? Ash turns back into evil Ash, and he's possessed. And so he starts attacking Jake. He's beating him with his stump hand, which is fucking hilarious. He starts chasing Annie around the house, to the point that, you know, she manages to find a hiding spot. Somehow the sacrificial blade is there. I don't know where the fuck that thing came from. You know, from the first movie. All of a sudden it fucking shows up here. The other thing is, too, real fast with Jake. And I didn't really fucking talk about this. And it kind of upsets me that I didn't say it earlier. In the fight with uh, the the friend, whatever his name. I think his name is Ed. Um, when they're fighting and Ed's the spirit. And then Ash goes and gets the axe. He actually grabs Jake by the neck and, like, snaps his neck. You hear the snapping sound, throws him up in the air, so he hits the light and hits his head in electricity, and then falls onto the ground. And you think that he's dead, but then he's not. Like, how ridiculous is that fucking shit? So he survives one fucking attack, right? And he's still around. I don't fucking get that, why that's going on. But he does get thrown around by Ash, so I know that he'll survive this time. So Ash is chasing after Annie. Annie's in the house. She finds the sacrificial blade out of the middle of fucking nowhere. Hides in one of the rooms. And then when she hears something coming through the door, she swings it and stabs. But she doesn't stab Ash. She stabs Jake instead, basically through the stomach. And he's like, oh, shit. And then Ash comes from another, like, area. And she basically starts dragging Jake, trying to get him into the other room. Eventually, Jake gets what's coming to him after all this time. Because the mom ends up grabbing him when she he's close enough to the edge of the damned staircase that goes down into the bottom there. And starts dragging him in because she's too busy dealing with fucking Ash. And so she, he's getting dragged and dragged and dragged in there. And she's trying so hard to pull him out but she can't quite do it. And then all of a sudden it's just fountains of fucking blood. And the moment that any of that blood starts like coming out i would have fucking let go of jake but she holds on to him the last fucking minute and so she's just covered in his fucking blood and then she's crying because you know all that's left of him are fucking stumps and that's what happens to jake from state farm when he fucks with state farm and tries to go over progressive but i digress uh ash comes in starts going after her but then he sees the necklace on the ground and it's done in the shape of a skull which is really weird But he looks at that, and that's like a connection back to his old self and to Linda. And then he changes back over. But right away, you know, Annie doesn't believe that 
it actually has happened. He's not back to normal. Ah! Listen to me! Ah! I'm alright ah! now! Ah! That thing is gone! I'm saying, I'm all right. I'm all right. Okay, maybe you are. But for how long? If we're gonna beat this thing, we need those pages. And let's head down into that cellar and carve ourselves a witch. So now Annie and Ash go all hardcore and prove that the masters of engineering by going into the, like the storehouse on the property and now outfitting him with a way to put the chainsaw onto his hand. So you get the iconic look and which is what ridiculous is earlier on in the film. You heard them talk about a picture in those extra pages where there's a guy with a chainsaw on his arm and then a shotgun in his hand. And she talks about how this guy came from the sky and saved them all. And it looks very much like Ash. And wouldn't he say something like, God, that kind of looks like me? Like, you know, you would just kind of realize it, but maybe it's the heat of the moment, I guess. But now he truly is outfitted exactly like the guy they saw in the images before. So... They're getting ready to go kick some ass and take some names. So he goes down into the cellar basically to get the pieces of the page back. Uh, and he manages to find a couple right away. He goes further in. He actually opens up the door and they go even more into the whole place. Till eventually he does find every single page. There's one little continuity shot that's a little bit of an error. But it's probably because they flipped the negative so that he'd be going the way that they want him to go. And... He reaches what seems to be his right hand to go get the papers. And in the next scene, it's his left hand that he's using to do other stuff. Because his right hand has been chopped off and replaced by a goddamn chainsaw. He gets to the bottom of the stairs. He hands Annie the pages. And that's when he's attacked by, you know, the entity that is her mother. And she's able to actually take him down. Uh, well, she's able to, like, she takes him down there while Annie is trying to read the things and, like, attacks him. He ends up finding her back, and then they kind of go through a weird back and forth until Annie, you know, what we heard earlier was her sing the lullaby, which, again, was used in the remake for The Evil Dead, which is another connection to the movie that I thought was kind of neat because they shared a lullaby between the two of them and then he used the lullaby to calm her down where in this scene where, you know, her mom's attacking Ash, she uses the lullaby basically to stop and save the day. Mockingbird. 
part is absolutely fantastic it's even as cool as the part when he says groovy which i wanted to include but that was at the end of the whole thing and groovy you know it's just kind of like the end of the last film as well maybe i'll throw it to the end or something like that we'll see but it's relatively interesting scene what i find the funniest part of that scene though is is that when she actually does like kill her mom or her mom's like head gets blown off i should say uh, or cut off, actually, that's the one that I'm trying to say, is that it starts farting. Like, the body just... Like, it starts farting, getting all chunky and shit. And it's just like gas is going everywhere, and it's all coming outside of her neck, and it's all just kind of crazy disgusting at the same time. But it's great. And you see the, the body limbs that are getting cut off and flying everywhere, and it's just, it's so ridiculous, but it's funny at the same time. So now they've got all the pieces of the book that they need to do. They're going to start actually calling and and doing the first part of it. But she's kind of already done it, which means that the entity is on its way. It's coming to devour them, but she needs to finish it just in time. So that way they can send the demon back to where it belongs. But unfortunately, something happens to Ash because Ash, you know, always gets fucked with in these films.
I got So there's a couple of really cool things that kind of go on during this scene. One is the giant puppet that they use. Um, th- the way that it was created, the way that it looks is really fucking cool. It's also got a bunch of like human heads on one side and it's got the one eye. And then you got the giant arm that's coming in that grabs Ash. That's basically a giant tree hand that's coming in. It looks excellent. Like the amount that they had for the budget for this one. Uh, which was quite a bit, to be honest with you. I thought it was going to be a little less. They had $3.6 million and actually made $5.9 million, which was pretty good uh, for this film. Enough to make Army of Darkness, right? But nonetheless, it's just like grabbing in. He's not able to do it. And then like when they're still reading it and she's got a control of it, then you see that she gets stabbed in the back with the sacrificial dagger or sword by the hand of Ash. And that's when you hear him yell, no, like he's fucking Vader or some shit. So they're actually able to stop it before she dies. She says the last words of the incantation, which opens up the portal, but she doesn't have the words to close it because she dies. And since she's unable to close it, everybody gets sucked back into the portal. Well, except for her, his 88, like Chevrolet or Buick or where the fuck it is. And then him all gets sucked back into the past And now he's in the year 1300, and what happens to him? Well, he finds out that he is that image that was inside of the book. Slay the beast to the dead eye! Thank <laughs> you. 
And so that was Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Now, as a sequel, I don't know if I can really call it that, to be honest. It's more of a reboot. I would consider this to be a little more of a reboot of the story or retelling in a way that Sam Raimi wanted his original to go. Like, he had even said before in the first one that he wanted to put Ash in the Middle Ages by the end of the movie. He wasn't able to do it with the budget that he had with the first film, so now he's got the budget to do it, and he does it with the second film. So, really, like I said earlier, it is a prequel to Army of Darkness. Evil Dead is its own movie, The Evil Dead is its own movie, and this and Army of Darkness are the only two that are kind of, like continuity films right even though it's very weird because ash versus the evil dead kind of goes in the direction that um the evil dead is actually connected to army of darkness and then that like this really isn't because he's accused of actually killing his friends and his girlfriend and his sister which is the first film not this film like his sister never even shows up it's just his girlfriend in this movie so um, it's, it's still a very fun film. Uh, it's definitely got a lot more humor than even I thought about it. And, and there were some really great shots. I really do appreciate the laughing scene a lot more than I used to. Only because you can tell that the, the evil entity is both making fun of him. At the same time, you can see how he's breaking down because of everything he's had to deal with so far. From cutting off his own hand, to decapitating his girlfriend, to then having to chainsaw her to death once more, and also being attacked by her corpse. Everything is just piling upon him into where you don't know if that scene is really him going crazy or the Deadeye trying to make him go crazy. It's a really well done scene. A lot of the slapstick stuff, some of it's eh, some of it's still really good. But overall, it's a movie if you haven't seen it before, I definitely suggest that you should watch it. So if I'm going to rate this film, I would give it on the gore factor, I'd give it a 3 out of 5. Originally give it a, f- a 4 out of 5, but it's not as gory as the first one. And there's definitely some more, you know, cheesy gore things and funnier things in this film, which makes me bring that down just a little bit. It actually should fit into that 3 out of 5 level. Like, if I, I had a kid that would say around 10, I would definitely show him this movie. Because even though it's kind of gory, it's all in silly fun. Uh, and it's a good jumping point, I think, if you want to get into horror. Because there's still some little bit of horrifying things in this film. Some scary parts. But nothing that's like, oh, you know, I have to you know, be afraid or whatever it is. Then with The Crap Factor, I'd also give it a 3 out of 5. Because even though Bruce Campbell is fantastic in this movie. And he's a really wonderful uh, in the role of Ash. The other characters are kind of like side things. And there's flaws with them. As well as some things with the story. And where they made some changes. I really wish it had been just a nice continuation. Like it just left off from Evil Dead. You didn't need to retell it. To bring it into the world that you want to. But just start from the point where the thing was chasing him outside of the house. And do it from there. You didn't necessarily need to retell the first film in 10 minutes. Or whatever it was. And then for the fun factor, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5 because I still think it's really fun. I think that there's some of the big famous quotes in it. You know, the first time you hear him say groovy to, uh, you know, I'll swallow your soul to, you know, just how cheesy but yet fun things are in the film. So even there's there's the giant cheese factor, it's still very, very enjoyable to watch. But overall, I'm going to give this uh, 3 out of 5 bastard hands. It's definitely, your mileage might vary with this film if you've never seen it before. 
You can see this without having to see Evil Dead, but before you watch Army of Darkness, I would suggest watching one of those two. There is a nice little recap in the beginning of Army of Darkness, but I really feel that you need to watch it. Do you need to watch the extended cut? No, because I think the extended cut doesn't really add anything that I would be like, oh yeah, that definitely needed to be a part of the film. It's just like, uh, it would have been good if I put it in it, but I understand why you took it out, and it didn't add a whole lot of extra runtime to the film as it was. So it's not really worth being in there, in my opinion. So with that being said, let's go ahead and run the trailer for our next Ash featured movie. In an age of darkness. May God have mercy upon your souls. Something's wrong. Something's amiss. And a time of evil. You shall die! When the world needed a hero. This one was souls. I don't want to die! What it got was him. Groovy. Throw you know, your shoelaces untied. He's a 20th century guy. For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. Trapped. In the Middle Ages. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my boomstick. Now, let's talk about how I get back home. Foretold by a mystical book. Within its pages are passages that can send you back to your time. Forewarned by a wise man. You must recite the words, Klaatu, Berata, Nictu. I got it, I got it. Fulfilled by a wise guy. Klaatu, Berata, when the army spoke the words, the army of the dead awoke. <laughs> now, he's got a date. Give me some sugar, baby. <laughs> With the army of darkness. You found me beautiful once. Honey, you got real ugly. Sound the trumpets. Raise the drawbridge. Look out! Drop the Oldsmobile. From Sam Raimi. Director of Darkman comes Army of Darkness. They live. They breathe. They suck. Army of Darkness. So this will end Ashtober with Army of Darkness when we get to the next film. Now, for everything else that's going on, make sure you check out all the other channels that we've got. There's a bunch of us that are doing the 31 Nights of Horror um, that you can check out. We're all watching different horror movies for the month. Of course, for me, it's totally 80s. So I've been watching a ton of 80s horror films for all of October. And the last couple ones were a lot of fun. One of the things that you should check out, which is going over to the Facebook page, we did go for one night for a little bit over to the Hollywood uh, Horror Nights there at Universal Studios, and I went through the Killer Clowns from Outer Space Maze, and if you didn't get a chance to watch that, you can watch that over on the page, and I'll be uploading it to the YouTube channel. And of course, uh, you should follow up on Instagram, uh, Terrible Terror Podcast, Facebook.com slash Terrible Terror Podcast, Instagram, Terrible Terror Podcast, which I think I said already, also on YouTube, and T underscore T underscore Podcast out there on Twitter. So we'll see you guys next time. Don't mean to rush the ending, but we'll see you for Army of Darkness. And uh, chat with you later. Bye.
think. Owie! Owie! Kicking my ass, divine! <laughs> <laughs>